Hi, I'm Deborah Poe. Do you know that God is such a big God that He wants to do some incredible things with you, through you? He wants to show Himself strong in your life. As a matter of fact, God wants to impress you instead of you trying to impress Him. So listen in and let's see how God impresses. Amen. Well, I hope you've been enjoying the unthinkable series. I know I have been tremendously blessed, tremendously blessed. I mean, uh, when I'm hearing uh, Pastor Brian teach, I'm like, man, you taking out all the stops. I mean, you got your foot on the pedal and you won't let go. And it's interesting. He, he <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm like, man, the way you're teaching, it's like the person teaching with their eyes closed and not looking at anybody's face. I'm just going to say what God has for me to say. You can take it, you can leave it, you can run with it, you can hop with it, whatever it is, I'm throwing it all up on you. And it has been a blessing, amen, amen. So uh, I'm excited about what God wants to share through me concerning uh, um, this unthinkable series because uh, in the book of Ephesians, he never read it, but in the book of Ephesians chapter three and verse 20, we read it all the time and we get so excited about that particular passage of scripture, and it is awesome. Uh, but we cannot forget, of course, that there are verses that come before that. And those verses talk about the love of God and how he wants us to experience that love. As a matter of fact, let's go there, Ephesians chapter three, and let's look at verse uh, 19. Ephesians chapter three and verse 19. Let's look at this in the Amplified. And this is actually uh, in the middle of a, a prayer that Paul is praying concerning the church of Ephesus. He says that you may really come to know practically through experience for yourselves. I like that. Through experience for yourselves, not just know something, but have an experience, and he's talking about the love of God, that you will have this awesome experience of the love of God. He says, the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge. He said, I want you to have an experience of the love of Christ that passes your knowledge. So see, that means that we're going to have to go past just having some information in order to experience what he's about to talk about. He says, without, excuse me, let me read, start again. He says, that you may really come to know practically through experience for yourselves the love of Christ, which far surpasses, far surpasses. See, we get excited over knowledge. We get, I mean, we, we, you know, we get enamored over people who, who knowledge, they know Hebrew, they know Greek, they, I mean, we get excited. And we are impressed with people with knowledge. But Jesus said, or Paul says, that we need to get to a place where we have an experience with Christ that passes knowledge. It goes past knowledge. He says, uh, again, the love of Christ which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, that you may be 
filled through all your being until all the fullness of God may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. See, you, we have to start seeing ourselves that way. Not just a mere man, but we are people that are flooded. Not even filled, but he said flooded. I like that. With God himself. He says, then he says, now to him who by in consequence of the action of his power that is at work within us is able, this flooding that's on the inside of us. He says, it is able, glory to God, to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly far over and above all that we dare ask or think infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. So, you know, we, it's, it's unthinkable. He's saying you're going to you're gonna have to get past the standard. You got to get past the common thinking concerning some things. And so I looked up unthinkable because, you know, I like to get me a lot of words. <laughs> unthinkable. It means inconceivable. See, some of y'all just think it means more. He said, is inconceivable, unbelievable, incredible, beyond belief, highly unlikely, unheard of, illogical, beyond the bounds of possibility. See, most of the time, the stuff we're talking about is possible. You know, I wish I could get a car. It's possible. I mean, it's possible without any unthinkableness. I mean, we think, well, I just want a, a, a bigger house. It's, that's possible. I just want a little bit more money. That's possible. All this possible. So we're going to have to open up and take the limits off. Listen, look at somebody say, take the limits off. Take the limits off. Taking the limits off can be scary. Let me tell you why it can be scary. It can be scary if your thinking is wrong. Because we want it to be something we can actually see happening. You know, I need to see a little bit of light in it. You understand? I got to see, I got to, I got to see a little bit of hope in it. I got to see some part of natural being here to call me to kind of think that it can happen for me. Y'all understand what I'm saying? It's got to be, it's got to be some ray of light somewhere. I mean, God Show me a little something. And some of you have had some incredible thoughts, and some of you quickly dismissed them, and you don't know what they were, because it was like, that's stupid. <laughs> how could that ever happen? That don't make no sense. Or even, how can my doing that cause that? That's, that's, that's incredible. I just, 
you know, some of the things we call incredible are not incredible. You know, Greg and I wanted to expand uh, our uh, vision when it came to Revealing Truth Ministries. Uh, we wanted to, we, we, and we knew that we had to see something bigger than what we were already seeing or had already seen. So we took a trip to Las Vegas because we heard that they did things different in Las Vegas. And so, of course, a little leeriness on my part because I'm like, no, that's called Sin City. <laughs> you shouldn't go to Las Vegas. There's nothing out there but gambling. And so we don't want to have a bad reputation as pastors saying we went on our vacation to Las Vegas. I can't tell you the number of times I've been there since. But, <laughs> but he wanted to go because he says, I hear that they let their imaginations just run wild. And I thought, oh, okay, all right. Uh, but we, we know we gonna we gonna we gonna keep it. We not gonna go to you no know, casinos or we won't be seen around any of those kind of places. Well, that doesn't happen in Las Vegas because I'm just telling you. When you arrive in the airport, all you hear is ching 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 ching. -ching, -ching. So when you land, <laughs> for those of you who've never been, it's like they they like hey they start you off. I'm surprised they're not doing a game on the plane on the way over. As soon as they hit. The, uh, the state line, it's like gambling is on. <laughs> but you don't have to do that. There are other things you can do there. But we went to see because we needed to expand our visions. God, how could we, how can we think anything above where we were? And we believed that we needed to be further than what we could see. So we took a trip there and my eyes were just like, are you kidding me? Did you say, how many rooms does this hotel have? You didn't say 400, you said 4,000 rooms in here? My God, what? 4,000 people and how many hotels? Wait a minute, wait a minute. The hotel has its own mall. You know, I'm thinking strip mall. No, they weren't thinking strip mall. They were thinking international mall in my hotel because we don't want you to leave. Once you get to our hotel, we want you to stay here. Just stay here, do your shopping here, do your gambling here, do your eating here, because what do you want? I mean, we have emeralds in our hotel. The, we have, you know, whatever. We got, what was it, a Krispy Kreme donut? We got, I mean, and we're not talking about a little, we're not talking about a little stand. We're talking about full. We're talking about, and then, of course, <laughs> so funny. God, no, I'm, Greg got lost in Caesar's Palace. I can't remember how many, how many blocks it is. This one hotel, it is huge. When you're in it, you don't know whether it's day or night because of the way they do the ceilings. It's, I mean, it had all my favorite stores in it. I was like, I'm, I'm just like, are you kidding me? This is incredible. You don't have to leave the Venetian. Then later on, it was like, oh, the Palazzo. You don't have to leave the Palazzo. Oh, the winds. Oh, the aria. Oh, the, I'm just like, 
And it got to the point where every time they opened a new hotel, me and my friends, we all thought that's where we should go. <laughs> but what it was doing was expanding our vision to see so that when we came and we were presenting Revealing Truth Ministries, it seemed small. It helped us to believe God for what other people call large. Are you all understanding what I'm saying? So it, it, it helps when you go see something that truly is incredible. Then when you look at what God has said, it becomes a possibility for you. But it still exceeds what you ever thought you could do. Are you all understanding what I'm saying? So you have to keep yourself exposed. And that's what God wants us to do. When, when we read the word, God wants to expose us to who he is. That's why he's, he's talking about you got to get to know me. Because as you get to know me, you start to see how great, how big, how awesome, how strong, how mighty I really am. How what you think is impossible, because you're hanging out with me, you'll find that you can believe me for it. Because what seemed to be impossible at one point in your life will seem possible. And other people will be looking going, that's incredible. And when you reflect back to where you came from, it is incredible. You look back and you say, this is me. Oh, I can't tell you the number of times, Greg. And I was like, pinch me. Is this true? Is this me? How many of you moved into your first home and you went, oh my God, is this mine? Nobody? I, I remember going, oh my God. What? <laughs> what? When I sat down, what? Deborah, this is your house for real, for real. I mean, you can come. They gave you the key. <laughs> you all understand what I'm saying. And so the word of God is designed to expose us to the bigness and the greatness of God so that we can start believing him beyond just, just what we can obtain and what we can do. This is something God told me. He says, you know, a lot of times people trying to impress me when all the time I'm really trying to impress you. I was like, what? God says, yeah, I'm not looking for you to impress me. You can't impress me, but I really want to impress you with who I am. I was like, wow, God, yes, amen. That's why Paul tells us in the book of Romans, we won't go there, uh, he tells us you need to renew your mind, get some new ideals, deals, I-D-E-A-L, mental images. You need to do something with your imagination. Hallelujah. And you know, it's kind of sad sometimes because Children normally have really large imaginations, and then we dumb them down. I mean, they, they dream big, but uh, as a matter of fact, I was uh, bringing two of my grandchildren to church with me tonight, and um, I wish he was in here. I, couldn't, I can't even tell you all the cars this little boy was saying he wanted. Gregory says, yeah, you know, my first car, my parents says I could have something. I was like, what in the world is that? Then he started talking about different kinds of Lamborghinis. And when he finished, he had, he had listed 10 different cars, including a Bugatti. And he was still going. He said, well, that's, that's what I want for right now. 
<laughs> I didn't say a word till he said, yeah, yeah, Dad says I can have these cars and, and, and y'all would match my first million and then Grandma, you gonna put your million in. I'm like, wait, hold it. No, this is an agreement between you and your parents, <laughs> not your grandparents. <laughs> but his imagination is just, and he says it, I mean, he is, he's not playing. He is so serious because he's looking at magazines. He liked cars, and so he's looking at all the cars that he liked to have. And so, you know, <laughs> and he's exposed to a lot of different things intentionally. <laughs> Hopefully not, but <laughs> anyways. <laughs> but I'm saying the Word of God wants to expose us to him and how great and how big he is. Hallelujah. And so we have to learn to stretch ourselves. And I just want to go over several accounts where some people just, uh, they just took the limits off. They just took the limits off of what, what people thought probably was possible. So let's look at Luke. Luke chapter uh, 13 and verse 10. Luke chapter 13 and verse 10. And these encounters are encounters with Jesus. And uh, I think he's a good example because he is the expression of God. In verse 10, let's look at this in the uh, New King James, or let's look at it in King James. And it says, and he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed or bowed together, and could in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loose from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and said unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to work. In them, therefore, come and be healed and not on the Sabbath day. Look at that. I mean, the law had him that way, but look at this. I can't even see the good in this because I see the rule you broke. And then I thought it was really awesome because he said, says that Jesus saw the woman in the crowd. She didn't even have to say anything. He saw it. He pointed her out. He was like, you know what? You need to be healed. And then he, it goes on to say, and the Lord then answered him and said, thou hypocrite, doth now each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? And ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham whom Satan has bound, lo, these 18 years be loose from this bond on the Sabbath day? I love that because he connected it with covenant. He says, this woman is a daughter of Abraham, and why shouldn't she have this thing done for her? Think about it. We are children of the Most High God. Why shouldn't we expect the unexpectable? Why shouldn't we expect the incredible? Why shouldn't we expect something that exceeds our thoughts, exceeds what we think is normal or possible? We're covenant people. 
glory to God. And we need to think covenant-wise. We need to think member of the family. Amen, amen, amen. Let's look at Matthew, Matthew chapter 9. And we're going to start at verse 16, Matthew chapter 9, verse 16, because Jesus here is teaching a lesson as he often did. He says, no man, again, this is in King James, no man put, putteth a piece of new cloth upon an old garment, for that which is put in to fill it up, take it from the garment, and the rent is made worse. Neither do men put new wine into old bottles, else the bottles break, and the wine runneth out, and the bottles perish. But they put new wine into new bottles, and both are preserved. And it says, while he spake these things unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshiped him, saying, my daughter is even now dead. One translation says close to death, but this, this particular uh, passage in Matthew says that she was now dead. Luke says close to death, so uh, she must have been right there at the edge. Let's put it that way. <laughs> But come and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. And Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. Now, I want you to understand, this man is like, I'm here. My daughter's near death. You come and you put your hands on her, and she's going to be just fine. Look at that. Most people would have been like, you know, we need to go ahead and make the funeral arrangements. You know, this is it. You know, we done put her in hospice and that's it and it's all over. This man comes and he goes, you know what? I'm going to ask for something unthinkable, incredible, something I've never seen before because this did happen before he raised Lazarus from the dead. So he hadn't seen it before. But he went and he asked for it anyway. He told Jesus the situation. He wasn't trying to hide it, sugarcoat it. He said, listen, in this particular passage, he said, my daughter's dead. I need you to come to the house and do something about it. <laughs> and it says, and behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood 12 years came, be came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, if I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. So she was like, I ain't even got to call his name. Nobody has to know who I am. And understand this as well. She was out in public, shouldn't have been out in public. And she is, you know, because she had the issue of blood and, you know, you're supposed to have been hiding away somewhere. Nobody's supposed to see you. It could cause death. And look, she's doing this right in front of somebody who could actually do these things to her. Because here's the leader of the synagogue who came. You know, I can, I can put you away. So this lady was like, you know what? I don't care. I'm going to do this. She had to start thinking above just what is right and what is lawful and what everybody think I should do and how this is supposed to go. It was like, you know what? He can do something about what's going on here. I love this. It says, but Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith has made thee whole. Thy faith has made thee whole. I like this because... She knew Jesus could do something about it, and she believed that he would do it for her without her having to actually say anything to him. I mean, she knew that he healed people, but she didn't go wondering. 
if he would heal her. That's my point. She didn't go wondering if he would. She didn't go saying if he would. Neither did the leader of the synagogue. See, but as believers, sometimes we'd be wondering if he will. We know he has the power to do it, but will he do it for me? They didn't go there thinking he got the power to do it. Will he do it for me? No, they know he got the power, then he will do it for me. And that's the attitude we've got to have. He's got the power, so he will do it. So he will do it. Not will he do it, but he will do it. He says, daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith has made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. And when Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the minstrels and the people making a noise, another translation gives it, um, excuse me, another gospel, you know, kind of lengthens it out because it says someone actually came and said, well, she is dead. And Jesus said, only believe. You came here believing I could do something about it. Just keep believing. Not that I can, but I was going to do something about it. Don't, don't, let, <laughs> don't let your belief stop because something changed. You believed I could do something about your sick daughter. Just because the circumstances change does not mean that I can't now. Because sometimes we be asking God concerning stuff, and then we'll get a report or we'll see something, and then we'll begin to step back and say, well, maybe this isn't possible. Because if he's going to do anything for you, he'll do everything for you. Y'all understand? If he'll do anything, he'll do everything. Glory to God. And he said, and he said unto him, unto them, give place, for the maid is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. But when the people were put forth, he went in and took her by the hand, and the maid arose. And the fame thereof went abroad into all that land. You know what? Because God, Jesus wanted people to know. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was coming to the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do it? What was the question? Believe that I'm able to do it? They said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then, then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. He said, do you believe I'm able to do it? They said, yes. He said, then I'll do it. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get, bridge the gap between us believing he can, but will he? He said, if you believe I can and that I'm able, then I will. Your belief is just need, need to be, do you think I'm able to do it? Because if you believe I'm able to do it, then I will do it. We are, I believe he's able to do it, but will he do it? No, he's saying, no, if you believe I'm able to do it, you just got to believe I can do it. If you believe I can do it, then I will do it. 
Glory to God. If you believe I'm able, then I will. Mm, God is so incredibly good. So we have to adjust how we think and how we see. That comes through, again, the word of God. That comes through being around people who believe God for big things. Not, not on your same level. Some people are intimidated by people who believe God for incredible things. I, when I was looking at this, I thought about you, Pastor Lamar, when you said, I like to be around people who know more than me. Some people are intimidated by that because he said, because I'm looking for growth. Hallelujah. Because those kind of people help you think right. Because they talk about things that God has done for them as if I just ask him, oh, God, could you pass me that sheet of paper? And so when you get around people like that, they was like, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Because um, uh, <laughs> I, I love my friends because they are like that. We stretch each other. And because I remember Pastor Cynthia said, she says, you know what? She said, we need another plane. And many of you have heard her, her testimony. We need another, not just plane, excuse me, a jet. We need another jet. Whew, we don't want to buy another jet. I just believe God's going to give us one. And just start saying it. Somebody's going to give us a jet. I know somebody's going to give us a jet because we don't want to repair the one we got. Somebody's going to give us a jet. And she said after a while, she was like, now God is getting kind of close. These engines, you know, they're trying to, you know, they're kind of timing out on us. We really need a jet. And she said someone they did not know called them and said, God told me to give you a jet. See, see, some of y'all, some of y'all would just break down. Now I'm sitting there going, "Really? Praise God, you got the jet, huh?" She said, "Oh yeah, delivered it." I was like, "That was incredible." She was like, "It was incredible." I'm like, God, if you can do that, I know you can do what I just asked for. Y'all understand? I, this is nothing for you. If you did that, I'm not. You know, God, see, I ain't even asking for a jet. She's asking for a jet. She's asking for a jet. I'm not even asking you for a jet that requires pilots and insurance and all. God, I'm just asking you. <laughs> See, that's what I mean. You, 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 we have to learn to stretch if we're going to see the unthinkable. We got to start thinking unthinkable. Goodness gracious, God is good. And so our actions, our actions are going to be sometimes unthinkable. Somebody else would be saying, oh, I, would, I wouldn't do that if I were you. But God is saying, do this. And other people looking at it saying, you know, logically, that does not make any sense. No, you need to get yourself around some people who've done some quote-unquote ridiculous stuff and got the results of God, especially when God seems to be telling you to do something that's ridiculous. Where's my clock? Where's the regular clock? 1 Samuel chapter, 20, chapter 25. 
I'm not going to read all of it, but 1 Samuel chapter 25, this is an account of uh, Abigail Nabal, uh, Nabal. Am I saying his name right? And Samuel. Everybody's going, oh, yeah, yeah, you have read the story, right? Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, can't, I don't have time to read it all. However, what is happening here is um, David protected Nabal's, uh, his uh, sheep herders, uh, when they were out in the fields and they, people could come and steal and take from him. And Nabal was a very rich man. He had like, I think it was 3,000 sheep. And I mean, he had, he had a lot. He had a lot. He was a very wealthy man. Uh, but his name meant foolish. He was a very foolish man as well. So um, David took care of his um, shepherds and took care of his uh, properties and his animals. Uh, and so David needed something from Nabal, so he asked his men to go and tell him, you know, we were good and we took care of you, made sure things went well, no one stole from you for this length of time. I just need for you to, you know, share, give a little food to them. And Nabal was, you know, pretty much like, I ain't tell you to do that. You did that on your own. I ain't going to give you nothing. This is my people's stuff. And so David was like, oh, really? He says, okay. He said, uh, all your people going to die by the end of the day. I'm getting my people, I'm getting my men together, and all of you will die by the end of the day. So the servants heard this. They ran to Abigail, Nabal's wife, and was telling her the story. And she was like, you know, his name is foolish anyways. So, at, at, so she gathered up all these foods and things so that she could take to, um, to David as an apology. Because otherwise... David was about to kill everything associated with Nabal, including Abigail, including the servants, including just everything. He was going to take it all out. And it's really interesting because when she got there and she started talking to uh, David, she apologized for her husband, but then she began to prophesy over his life, over what God was going to do in his life, speak blessings over his life, and David changed his mind about killing everybody. And then, of course, Nabal, as foolish as he was, uh, he fell sick and then, of course, he eventually died. And then Abigail became his wife, uh, and became David's wife, at least, became his wife. But she had to think outside of the box. She couldn't be sitting there thinking, oh, man, we all going to die. My husband's so stupid. Ain't nothing I can do. Oh, woe is me. I don't know what we going to, I don't know how we going to handle it. But no, this woman thought outside of the box. She thought to herself, now what can I do? This is, you know, we all in a pickle if I don't do something. And so she didn't go just pleading and begging, but she came to some sensible things and she took, I, I, I didn't reach all the stuff because of time, but she took a, she took a whole lot of stuff to David to apologize but what was happening, instead of just sitting in her situation and making a decision that this is just the way it is and nothing can be done. See, sometimes that's when God wants to help, we will think because of the situation, because the dire situation, there's nothing that I can do. But obviously, she was a woman of wisdom. And she made a decision, there is something I can do. Pastor Brian repeats this to me quite a bit. He says, you have to do what the season demands. You have to do what the season demands. 
You may have had a plan in your life and progressing towards that plan, but the seasons changed. And sometimes we're so locked in to our plan. God gave me this plan, and so this is it. So I'm just going to stay right here. And God is saying, no, I need for you to make some adjustments here. And sometimes those adjustments are so incredible. They seem so, are you kidding me, God? And then it's interesting because most people know when they hear God's voice, then they start wondering if it's God. Oh, no, you don't go there. (laughs) I don't know if that was God or not. Oh, you've been hearing God for the last 50 years, and all of a sudden he tells you to change something. Now you got to get you a prayer partner. Now you got to get in an agreement with somebody because could God possibly be telling me to change these kind of plans? They seem so drastic, God. They seem so unthinkable, God. They seem so incredible, God. They seem so beyond. You've never asked me I thought we was through with this God. How many, how many, I won't want you to raise your hand. How many of you people sit around and think I've gotten past the hard stuff? I already, I already, you know, I already been down that road. I already been. <laughs> so God wouldn't possibly, he know I'm faithful. I proved to God that I'm faithful, so he would never, ever, Ask me to do that. Unthinkable. So we're expecting some unthinkable things from God. God may be asking or requesting some unthinkable things from you. Oh, but it's worth the ride. It's worth the ride. I promise you, it's worth the ride. There's a, a song from many, many, many years ago. Uh, I don't even know all the words to it. It says, I believe I'll run on, see what the E is going to be. I'm going to pray on and see what the E is going to be. Need to stick in there. I'm going to obey on, see what the E is going to be. <laughs> I'm going to obey God and see what the end is going to be. Because he says, exceeding. Abundantly, above all you could ask, think, dream, imagine, even predict could happen. I don't know about you. I'm in for the ride. I'm in for the ride. Amen. I certainly hope you enjoyed what you heard. Remember, think big, think incredible. Let God do it for you. Remember to like and subscribe.